already taken care of because I'm bringing my luggage with me. And it's Louis. All right, what's going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. First episode of the season, and it's such a different feel. It's so exciting right now what's going on around this program. I'm Tyler. He's Jared, like always. Uh, Jared, how are you? Doing good, man. It feels good to be back in here. Ryan, producer Ryan, new season. You got your season tickets locked up? You got yes, them? sir. Okay. Got the parking passes today, actually. I well. got everything recently, too. Everything's digital, right? Everything's yeah. back to digital like... like. Uh, Unfortunately, I missed the paper tickets. I missed the booklet you used to get. Jared, did you... Oh, that, that was the best. It that came was the with best the, that day. Oh, the, man. The, the, Flipping through the pages. And the paper tickets each had their own graphic for each game. Yep. So whether it was a player or something cool... And then it came sometimes with a bunch of information about the team. Yep. Good old days. Man. You know, we're raising days. a whole generation of kids that don't know how to collect things like that, right? They, they don't. They grow up with all the digital tickets and everything. Here goes you know, Jared, I have back concert, to the good. I have concert kids tickets days. from you know when I was sixteen years old. The first concerts, you know. No, I mean it is true though. I have uh, a whole bunch. I mean, we've all been going to CU games pretty much our whole lives. Sure. I, I have a stack of old tickets. Oh from yeah. Big Twelve games, mm-hmm. even. I think I have some big eight tickets in there potentially. I don't know if that was necessarily ones that I went to. Yeah, but I got some left. Little, yeah, some leftover big eight ones, and then obviously all those Pac-12 ones until they went to electronic. But now, keep in mind, if you do get the electronic tickets, like we always say, transfer them to your Apple Wallet or whatever the wallet is on the Android, and get it that way in case the internet's all messed up. But uh, got the season tickets locked up. I'm pretty sure you did too, Jerry. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Ryan and I share. We get to sit together. This is the. This is a different feel. Last, yeah, it is. Since we've been doing the show, pretty much, <laughs> I'm stoked. I, I, I know it's it's exciting. There's so much positivity, and we always try and take a somewhat of a uh, of a, a, a positive spin. We're, we're, we always tell the truth, and we always try and look at things from a legitimate angle. But it's it's different this year because obviously, uh, you know, we don't have to go into detail about the changes and, and what Dion's, Dion's brought, and it's just exciting. I think looking back on past years, and I was thinking about this today as we're prepping for the show, it's like you were almost having to hype yourself into like believing like, yeah, there is some energy, there's some excitement this year. And, and this year I'm almost having to hold myself back and not to get too excited, set the bar well, too high. So let's think about it. On. When's the last time that preseason we were this excited or had this much, you know, I don't want to say expectations, but going into the season for the Buffs. Uh, it, it, it seems to me like every new head coach brings that level of excitement. Mm, no. I know when... I think we could even say it now and not even care. Mel Tucker. I don't even think I care. I'm not, I don't think I'm mad at Mel Tucker anymore. Uh, when when, when he came, I, I felt like there was a real, real energy there. And like after after his like first season, especially, everything kind of was building. And I think we all really had a lot of excitement. But nothing with this kind of level of juice. That's something that Primetime does. He brings a level of juice that nobody else well, but, really but in the look, world does. I'm, right? not, I'm not talking about new coach excitement because even new season excitement. Last year, driving to the game, I remember how how I was like nervous. Oh, new season, let's go. New possibilities. Sure. There's always excitement. I'm talking you about. You never expect to go one and eleven. I exa- mean, well, regardless right? of how bad yeah. you are, well, that's one thing I've, but all, think I, about, I've been. But I've been, put yourself back in your position here last year. JT Shroud was our start, starter, or Brendan Lewis. Didn't really know what was going to come of that. Thought we had some good skill players. Thought we had some a, a great you know uh, corral of running backs. And then we were winning at halftime at TCU. 
Or oh, no. Little did at we home, know at that TCU. time that TCU would go on to make it to the national championship game. The early right? season almost. Remember right. the, the year before that? Or A&M. 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 Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. But, but that's why I think the perception of, and I've been saying this last couple of weeks on some different shows. You can check out different podcasts on the Woz Media Network uh, online, W-O-O-Z-E-Media.com. The, the narrative is, Worst team in college football. And I know last year the Buffs underperformed, had a lot of bad games, but you're telling me that a couple four-win seasons... By the way, that four-win season in 2020 was four and two because it was the COVID year and they went to the right. Alamo Bowl. Uh, they, they went to the Alamo Bowl a couple, a couple years before that, so I'm not buying into this whole by far worst team in generations, horrible roster. Like The pieces that stuck around are going to be valuable, but I just think the excitement... I would go back to the early 2000s, maybe 2001, because the Buffs won the Big 12. Yeah, I was going to go there. Yeah, in 2001. Um, and the year after, a lot of good recruits, a lot of leftover pieces. I, 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 I had a lot of faith in that staff, that team, and I think that's the last time I think expectations were this high. It was, what, what would that be? 20 years ago. Yeah. 20, yeah, about... That's crazy. Yikes. I, um, have you guys <laughs> been watching the YouTube uh, videos, the well-off media? Here's the three. For those who don't know, YouTube is the the what the vehicle. What do kids say these days? Like the app, the whatever that I that I watch these things on? Yeah, the vehicle. Man, right? I, and I the thought vehicle. I felt old. <laughs> I mean, I am kind of out of touch with that stuff. But I do watch YouTube all the time. It's, it's, uh, it's your content it's my, provider. <laughs> yes, on my TV. And the three that I watch are... Well off media, mm-hmm. uh, the pregame show, and that's two E's in the the pregame show, the pregame show, and then uh, reach the people media. It's a really good inside look. All three of those great inside look at the program, the coaches, the players, a day to day, what's going on. Now they're not going to show anything that's going to sacrifice the ability for this team to win, but it's really cool to see the behind the scenes. So um, have you guys a lot been of content? A lot of content. Yeah, hard to keep up with. Yeah, I was just going to say it's hard for me. I, I, you know, I think I relate to a lot of probably our audience here, where this whole wave of how all media now is so media i'm still working on catching up from like three years ago <laughs> do you i have, finally got uh, onto twitter and now we're calling it x is, is that a thing now i think it is x now yeah, <laughs> yeah. do you have uh, cable tv still jared i do not i do not actually cut the cord cable a while back but i i just spend just as much in streaming services now okay i mean people are going back to tv it's funny everyone's like, I have cable uh, do you yeah you like it i mean it's fine i really only use it because of the nuggets the avs and any like big nationally televised games that are that are going sports, on. yeah, sports. So pretty much it's, sports. It's all sports, yeah. It, it's funny. I've heard uh, several people lately, like you know, what, what what would be great if you could just bundle everything into one and pay one fee per month. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that I mean, essentially that was cable. That was Direct exactly TV or Comcast uh, once upon a time. All right. So speaking of watching certain things, I went back and watched some Jackson State last year. I wanted to see a little okay. bit, and and I know it's not going to be if we want to see what this offense. Is going to look like I, I think that what fans should look like it or would look, uh, should look at is Kent State's yes. offense last year, which I also went back and watched some of them. Now it's interesting. Two things: Jackson State. What we can take away is Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, their connection, and I thought that Shadur. They both. Uh, it, it's not great competition. Things did seem to move a tad slower. I mean, did you have you watched any of these highlights? I've seen them. Yeah, I, that was kind of a takeaway. The the passes were on point. He looked really crisp. Like I'm no quarterback scout or anything like that, but he looked good. You know, like he looked fluid, quick, yeah, quick real release. finesse. Yeah. So, um, 
I just, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be someone who relies on scrambling. He, he didn't last year. He was able to extend plays, yeah. and that's kind of what I liked. On, on key third downs, fourth downs, he used his legs to to make things happen. But Travis Hunter, you know, time after time, he was in the right spot, making huge plays, offense, defense. And uh, I just loved watching them, both of them. I mean, look, there, there's nothing you can really take away from that that you're going to get more excited about. But it was really cool to see them. I recommend go back, watch some Jackson State highlights. You know, they ended up losing that one game in the Celebration Bowl, their, their only loss last year. But uh, watching Travis Hunter play, whether you're talking back at Jackson State or in some of the highlights that you get to see from what he's doing in camp, he just seems like a guy that gets it. Gets it on a level that most people have to work their whole careers to get, and it just it just kind of clicks for him. He's just like you said, he's always in the right place. He uses his body right, whether he's defending the pass or going after it as a receiver. He just always seems to be in the right place, making the right play. And I am so excited to see what he can do. He keep saying that he wants to not come off the field, play all offense, well, all defense, never come of off the field. Of course he's saying so that. He's, I'm he's, curious to see how much they do end up utilizing him we on both we'll sides of the ball. We'll see how he feels about that. Well, but, but, <laughs> no let, let, let's be honest about that. Okay, let's take a second and talk about the reality of that happening. They have him listed right now, 6'1", 165. I mean, I think that 165 is pushing a little bit. All these guys, it's going to be a little bit one way or the you other. Think that's heavy? <sighs> What sixty five is? Is he's light. slim? He's he's a slim dude. He's very slim. Yeah. My my whole thing, thing is in the Pac twelve, Big Twelve, whatever. If you're not coming off the field, I think you have to maybe be a little bit bigger. But he doesn't need to. He's elite. He's going to get drafted high. He's an athlete. Exactly. He's so I don't want to take it take anything away from him. Look, I I hope that he we, he's on the field a lot, but I don't want to you know diminishing returns. I want him to be healthy out there. Sure, yeah. And there's a lot of defensive backs that. You know, Coach Prime's brought in too, so. and a lot of receivers too. We were just counting it. What do we get to eighteen or nineteen on the roster? So there's a yeah. lot of receiver depth too. Some of those guys are fresh and they'll be getting red shirts. Obviously, not all those guys will be seeing time, but they're deep at both positions. Honestly, all the skill positions, their depth is really, really strong. Yeah, but I don't want to come across as anything negative. I feel like this is so positive and everything. Everything's so upbeat lately. I don't want to be the one to come in and say, "Yeah, hold on now." Tra- I love Hunter. I think Travis Hunter is. Well, look, look who he, he was. Rec- recruited by you know he could have gone to florida state a handful of other elite schools he is one of the best prospects that cu has ever had ever in the history i mean he was the number one overall consensus recruit that's a big deal so i don't want to you know yeah i think where my curiosity comes in is will he be a defensive back a cornerback that plays some receiver or are we going to see him splitting time not being full-time in either and actually very equally being receiver defensive back Again, well those like nfl that, scouts that i have heard that they say d-back they that's, say and he's, that's he's kind of what, what, what i would expect is to see him full-time every snap as your number one corner and probably playing maybe 30 percent of the snaps offensively or, or having packages where he gets brought in offensively okay so let's talk players in just a sec but but i want to uh, mention the kent state highlights that i watched and this was a team that really interesting offensively. So, you know, typical, a lot of shotgun, a lot of creative run plays. But I did see a lot of the tight end fullback lined up in that sort of offset behind the guard tackle in the shotgun set. It's kind of some interesting plays where they use an H-back. Yeah. yeah, the H-back is like an extra blocker. And it was really creative. Now, it translated on the field. It wasn't just like aesthetically, you know good offense they were number two in the country in epa i'm not sure if you guys have heard of the stat before it's uh, expected points added uh, and it's actually per play so expected expected points added per play 
they were number two in the entire country behind Alabama. So Kent State had an elite offense. It was their defense that really disabled that team from doing anything uh, big last year. So I, I like what what Sean Lewis is going to do and implement and bring to this team. And I think the combination of everything from what I've seen, these players, it's exciting. And there's reason to be excited and reason to have real optimism moving forward because the over-under is three and a half. I'm sure you guys have seen this. Absolutely. Yeah. In Vegas, they say three and a half. A lot of haters. And this comes with with, with, with Deion Sanders because no one's, <laughs> no one's talked to CU football for a long time. And Coach Prime gets the attention. He gets the spotlight. So it's like, naturally, he's used to this. He's used to the haters and the the spotlight and everyone talking. CU fans are suddenly, you know, let, let's be honest, fellas, the, the, the CU fan base self-esteem, all of our listeners, everyone who has season tickets, not the... Not the highest in college football, right? I mean, so f- people start talking smack about your team, saying, oh, they're overrated already. They're not going to do anything this year. This team's horrible. It's like, hold on. We didn't say anything. What's going on here? But it's Dion. It's Coach Prime getting And, and he's had that all this. the way back to his college career as a player. I mean, he's, <laughs> a player, he has yeah. always brought that upon himself. And, and he, he thrives in that. I think that's where a lot of the... The turnover in in the roster, it it goes beyond just the talent. I think a lot of it was the culture and bringing in the right culture, the right type of guys that thrive in that environment. He thrives for that, but it's new for us. And it's new for CU fans. Absolutely, absolutely. And getting talked about. I mean, look, you just put on ESPN... And there's going to be, you know, especially with their with the press conferences, the more there's, you know, football's coming up, there's going to be Coach Prime. He's going to be on there a little bit. You know, you put on whatever, people are going to be talking about the buffs. It may not be the lead segment yet, but people are talking about the buffs. So that's just kind of the territory. National, it's kind of been a little negative. This team's not going to be as good as people think. Coach Prime, can he do it at the, at the big level? But let, let's get this straight. Locally, I feel like it's been overwhelmingly positive. Everyone understands yeah. the difference here, and uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what. And happens I think one of the things really being overlooked by the national media when they're talking about the turnover at CU is also the coaching staff, the staff that Primetime has brought in to coach with them. I mean, some of the top recruiters in the country, some of the top position coaches in the country. Um, I just think that's being so undervalued in in how you flip a roster like that and you actually get them to produce early is bringing in the type of coaching staff that he has. The staff is huge. We talked about about Lewis coming over from Kansas State. He was a head coach. As the head coach, exactly. Offensive specialist. Maybe he has a chance to focus even more on offense, obviously, now. Well, I think that's a given. And then defensively. You know, the the, uh, uh, defensive coordinator coming over from Alabama – I think that we're going to... Charles Kelly. Charles Kelly, thank you. I think that we're going to see... And here's the thing. We don't really have film, quote-unquote, for exactly what he's going to want to do with this team, his style. I believe that, obviously, it's probably going to be more of a multiple. You're going to see a whole bunch of different stuff because there's a whole... You know, you look at this roster. Let's let's jump in now. And let's actually start with defense. Everyone always starts offense, right? Let's start defense because you talk about all these transfers and all these names. Okay, one more footnote before we get into the actual names here. The reason why I'm optimistic this year and the reason why I believe there should be more optimism than, than there even is nationally, we've never seen this before in the sport. We've never seen in college football the kind of turnover getting rid of so many players and bringing in so many new players, new staff. New, the only same thing's the, the, the jersey. It's like the old, uh, the, the old Jerry Seinfeld joke, right? Really, at the end of the day, you're just cheering for the jerseys, the clothes, right? You're just you're rooting for clothes. Your favorite player gets traded to the other team, your rival... You're booing him next time he's up. You know? <laughs> next time he's he's in town. Anyway, so 
that's sort of this team. There's nothing is the same. Now we're going to see a couple players, Trevor Woods, right? We, we, we may see, I don't know, offensive linemen. Yeah, a couple too. offensive linemen who you, you may not notice along the way. But anyways, besides but. that, new team. So new team, new staff. Why should we say, well, they're going to be a little better than last year. The, the expectation should be, I would say, realistically, if this team makes a bowl game, I think that's a very good accomplishment. Now, they want more than that. They're talking in-house in, in about more than that. But I think that should be a realistic expectation for and the fan base. I think one thing that, in my mind, where I'm I'm trying to sort of temper a little bit, and again, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer on this show. We're all very excited. I am very excited about this roster. There are very few spots where I look up and down. At very least, at the starting roster, there are really no holes anymore on this roster. Maybe a few spots where there's some depth lacking, and hey, any roster is going to have some of that. But the thing that concerns me a little bit about this season is is that schedule. And not only the Pac-12 schedule, which is tough. The Pac-12 is a much improved conference from where it was a couple years ago. I think there's, what, five teams maybe in the in the top 25 uh, in the Pac-12, four teams maybe, something around there. A lot. Uh, uh, the, the majority of the, the Pac-12 are right around that top 25. So that's tough. But also starting out, Against the the you know defending runner up to the national champions having a, on the road a, on the road having a rival game in Nebraska you know CS- yeah, so, so, so let's go over that real quick and by the way this uh, last year CU according to Phil Steele had the number one overall difficulty like the hardest schedule uh, this year at TCU week one this is our non conference week two Nebraska at home week three Colorado State at home pretty cool and Folsom you don't. You don't get that too often. And then they start Pac-12 play, right? So that's a non-conference. And their Pac-12 starts tough. Yeah, at Oregon. At Oregon and at USC, USC at, at home. home. Yeah. At Arizona State, Stanford, bye. So that's tough. I mean, look, a couple, obviously, Stanford before the bye. Going to look to show up there. That is a Friday night game, by the way. Mark it down. And after the bye, at UCLA, home against uh, Oregon State. That's homecoming, November 4th. Home against Arizona, at Washington State, at Utah. So you look at that first, what, five-game stretch there. That's that's going to be tough for the Buffs to come out. The only one you dodged is Washington. I mean. Yeah, right? <laughs> you come out, if yeah. you can come out two and three down that first stretch, you, you almost have to feel pretty good. Uh, well, that's the thing. Anyone and any team in the country who's good is going to have some ups and downs with that schedule, TC, exactly. Nebraska, CSU. And that's kind of one thing that does bug me. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but when you see the best teams in the country playing, you know, Alcorn State Chattanooga. or whatever, Chattanooga, it it, 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 I don't like it. No, I mean, because there's no, they don't get uh, punished for that, right? The, right. The, the, the argument is, hey, you play a tough schedule, you get there. It doesn't matter. CU plays in the Pac-12. If, if CU goes undefeated, I don't care if we're talking last year, two years ago, whatever. This is still a Power 5 conference. If Colorado's undefeated and wins the, the Pac-12, they're in the playoff. I don't care if they played Whoever it is, it, it only matters if you win the game. If so, you end up losing to a good team, it's still a loss on your. So I get it. At t- you know, the, these games have been scheduled for years, and I don't know what the yeah. angle was when they were scheduling these games, but I don't love this at all. When you look at the rivals and, and, and other teams going against CU for these spots in the conference, so all right, let's start with the defensive players. Uh, a lot of transfers, obviously, coming in, and and most starters, you're not gonna know who you know who played last year. Now, Trevor Woods is listed as a starter on Phil Steele's depth chart. I don't know what you guys have. What do you have pulled up, Jared? I have DNVR put one out. DNVR. This is this is from... Do they uh, have Trevor Woods as a starter? They do. They do have okay. Trevor Woods as the starter. Well, because I wonder, uh, because Shiloh Sanders is going to play 
uh, free safety as well, or strong safety as well. At least he's listed there on this center. So I think what you're going to see is a lot of three safety looks in there. These yeah. are very versatile guys, all all three between Trevor Woods, Shiloh Sanders, and uh, Cameron Silman Craig. They're all yeah, versatile he's, guys. He's they good. can play in the box. They can play deep. They can do different things. So I do think you're going to see a lot of looks where all three of them are on the field. So uh, Cameron uh, uh, Silman Craig played at Jackson State last year, same with Shiloh Sanders. And then Trevor Woods obviously was a buff last year, one of the few. So that's what the safeties right now are looking like, at least those top three. And then, uh, I mean, am I missing anyone? Look, there's, there's maybe a uh, Miles Slusher is a name that I oh, know. What an, yeah, of course, Miles Slusher. He's a that's a big, he played at Arkansas. Yep. He did yep. a couple and, years, and he's making quite a few plays in the spring game as well. I uh, I should have brought it. Look, you you go over all these names all day. And by the way, we're we're doing a uh, different podcast after this too. So a different college football <laughs> yeah. one. So I was looking at Big Ten teams today. We're all over the place, but. Uh, yeah, Slusher. He's going to get some serious time. Okay, so those are the safeties at least. Um, at least notable safeties. We're kind of going over notable players right now. We're probably going to do a, a full depth chart, player-by-player kind of breakdown before the first games for, uh, for sure. But uh, let's get to the cornerbacks because Travis Hunter, we mentioned him. Is he going to play primarily defense, a little bit more offense? I would say expect that. Um, does anyone disagree that he's going to play more offense with defense sprinkled in? I other think way the around. other way around. More yeah, de- yeah, defense okay. with... No, so we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So Hunter's going to be the, I think, lockdown, probably not going to get too much action, and that's going to be you know easy enough defensively. And then Cormani McClain. I'm not sure what... That, to me, is going to be the biggest thing to watch week one. What does Cormani McClain do opposite Travis Hunter if they're primarily playing man-to-man. Can he handle these matchups? Are they going to attack again, him? And again, Cormani McLean, true freshman coming in, was yeah. the number one cornerback in the class, but that's an 18-, 19-year-old kid coming in and playing against you know big-time competition. I would expect, week one, I would expect McLean to get maybe 25 snaps um, just kind of all over the field. But by, you know, later in the year, I could see him taking more as, you know, getting up to like 80s. I think the other guy that's going to start is is uh, Stoutmeyer, the transfer from Alabama. Okay. Carter Stoutmeyer. Okay. A um, little bit on the smaller side of 5'11", but has experience, uh, knows the D.C. I think Stoutmeyer will probably be on the other side starting out um, opposite Travis Hunter. But I think Cormani will, will, will play and, and his role will expand over the, as the year goes. That, to me, Cormani McLean, in my opinion, and yeah, just to be clear, like Jared said, he was the number one overall, yep. uh, widely regarded as the number one overall cornerback in the class. So he's going to be a freshman playing, Travis Hunter's playing. You know, it's, it is a young team. Even with all this talent, you know, if this was Alabama, any SEC team, they're still young, and you can't get past that. But talent goes a long way. It's going to be really, really fun to see what, what uh, this defense looks like. All right, keep going at the uh, linebacker position. Levante Bentley, he's getting a lot of uh, talk. He's the transfer from Love Clemson. Him. Yeah, he 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 didn't. I mean, seventy three tackles in four years at Clemson, but it's argued that the system they ran was never truly suited to have multiple players like that on the field. And I think if we're going to see more of the multiple set players like Levante Bentley at that middle linebacker position will be key in certain situations. So this is a, this is a player who's, you know, he's, he's stepped up. I heard he's, he's a leader. Yeah. I think he's, he's the guy that's really taking that leadership. Well, role, Shane Cokes, I heard that too. Yep. As and, at and the I think Levante Bentley is going to be more of your traditional thumper middle linebacker. That guy that is kind of the anchor defense. 
um, and, and a guy that, you know, it'll be interesting to see. He was not utilizing a lot of covered situations. Um, so he's more of a guy that I think is, is going to be a, kind of a run stuffing linebacker for him. Yeah, and I know we're kind of like going down the roster here, which was not the point of this, but it is kind of exciting. I mentioned Shane Oaks, the D end. He's transferred from a Dartmouth. And he's getting disrespected, in my opinion. You know, people say, oh, he's a Dartmouth transfer. I feel like there's too much, way too much made about the last school they went to. Everyone only looks at that. They don't look at anything else. Style, what was the circumstances? It's just like, oh, they're from an SEC school. Key And, and look, that's a good thing. Generally, you're probably going to want to transfer from Alabama instead of Alcorn State. I get that. But just because he's from Dartmouth doesn't make this kid a, a, a bum. He, he's, a, he's a real player. He's strong. He works out hard. He's smart. Like, I'm excited to Let's see Let's take a step back five to seven years before transferring was so common amongst Power 5 schools. And that, that was how transfers worked, right? You went to a school that would give you a chance a smaller school that gives you that opportunity you put something on tape and you can get that opportunity then go play for that big school where you always belonged but maybe it was your grades maybe it was lack of exposure in high school that never got you there and he had what eight and a half sacks last couple years at uh at the dn position so the question is can he rush the quarterback effectively in uh you know the pac-12 schedule like this time will tell but that's something to watch as well uh, we we did the skip over another linebacker, uh, Jordan Dominic, the transfer from Arkansas. He's gonna be an impact, uh, and then uh, Demoy Kennedy, Kennedy yeah. as well. Demoy Kennedy also uh, from Alabama, transfer, transfer from, from Alabama. Uh, yep, from uh, Bama. Uh, and, and he's a guy kind of opposite of Bentley where he's a little bit more coverage. Hey, this is so funny. We're just going through the roster. Yes. Now. But look, this is all right. All <laughs> hey, these guys honestly, need a shout I had to out. do that today. I mean, obviously, right. uh, I think most of us listening here, and I know you guys, have been following everything that's been happening along the way, but it's a lot of information, a lot of new stuff. And so for me, I had to actually do this, like go player by player, remind myself who is who and, and who you can expect to well, be and Let's be place. honest. With the new team, all these new players, everyone's going to be doing that even the first week. You know, most fans are going to tune in and go, who's this? Okay, and get to know the team as the season goes. But I also believe that there's going to be a few players that come out of nowhere because part of, I think, this whole thing, and every year this happens, where there's one or two guys that come out of nowhere, and I'm not even talking about like Charlie Offerdahl, right? And sure, running sure. back. I'm talking about totally out of left field. And maybe someone does like that for the Buffs, but yeah, th- th- this is just at this point, you know, going over these new players. It's, this is uh, college football is unique, which I, I love about it. Versus say NFL that they don't have to release any sort of depth chart. The, the actual program themselves, CU doesn't put out a depth chart until week of the first game. Who was the team last year? That didn't put a depth chart out, so see you put what like a joke one out. Yeah, and... I can't remember who that was, but I do remember that they yeah. they put it with a bunch of the historic players on it. Is that Cal? I don't remember who it yeah, was. I can't remember that, yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, defensive line. Uh, we mentioned uh, Shane Cox, uh, Leonard Payne, the transfer from from a Fresno State. The who was a D tackle six three three ten big dude and then Derek McClendon the transfer from Florida State super excited yeah about he's him. he's probably the guy I think more than anyone on this defense aside from probably Travis Hunter obviously but uh, uh, McClendon is a guy I'm so excited to see what he does he's your kind of pin the ears back pass rusher right so he can really get after the quarterback I want to see what he does and, all right so I just mentioned that you shouldn't just look at the college these players come from but it is an indication right you do want players sure. from better schools in general so just to name off quickly the schools or the transfers that we just mentioned Florida State uh, Clemson Arkansas Alabama 
another Alabama, Kentucky. We didn't get to an Ole Miss. We didn't get get to a West Virginia. So I'm excited to see what this defense is going to do. And we keep using the word excited today. I don't want to overdo that, but I think that is kind of the the bottom line, the headline of where where we are. Where as a fan base, mid August, late August, I just got back from Vegas. It was it was great. So if I'm a little slow today too, you're gonna have to forgive me. <laughs> Everyone work with me, but. Uh, it's going to be great to see what this defense looks like. Every, the offense, we can kind of know, right? We'll talk about the offense in a sec. But, you know, we like I mentioned, you can go back, watch Kent State. You see what uh, Sean Lewis likes to do. You know what, uh, what, what Shadur kind of likes to do. You know, we know Travis Hunter's going to be involved heavily. We know that uh, uh, all these Dylan Edwards, McCa- uh, McCa- is it McCaskill, Alton McCaskill, the transfer yes, from Houston? McCaskill. Uh, I, I'm not because uh, Cavosier Smoke's going to be in there a lot too. So that's what when I wonder. And look, I don't want to jump ahead and talk offense already. But where was I going with that? You guys know that I think where you were going with that is to say that we don't have a whole lot of idea what this defense is going to look like. We we yeah, do have exactly thank you with the offense. As I say, the Vegas thing is immediately <laughs> when I lose it. Um, I wonder if I, I like give myself like a mental, you know, I like enable myself to do that. That's a Pavlov there. theory here, yeah, Vegas. Exactly. And you just instantly lose. But anyway, it. we we pretty much have an idea, rough idea, what the offense is going to look like. No idea what the defense is going to look like. So, all right, let's move to the offense. Uh, we mentioned Shadur. Let's start off their quarterback. Shadur is a playmaker. He's got a good arm. He's a good decision maker. And the better the chemistry is with these weapons on offense, the ceiling, I mean, the sky's the limit for this for this team. I, I think that a lot of playmakers in this offense, and Shadur himself, there's a lot of different things he can do. I think the exciting thing is he's a he's a pocket passing quarterback. You know, now again, I don't want to play play uh, uh, scout. But it did look like a lot of scrambling, a lot of quick, you know, one, two reading and scramble at uh, at Jackson State. I wonder if that's going to stick around, you know, more stepping up in the pocket. Well, I mean, he's mobile, so you might as well use it to your advantage. Well, but, but that's the thing. He doesn't need to, you know, and, and that's sure why he he's going to be an to. NFL quarterback. Something he, that I'd noticed watching the Jackson tape is very much spread type of air raid type of offense. I mean, it was like five wide. Should I don't think right. I saw Shadour under center once in the, the tape that I watched. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be similar. And you're right. He doesn't need to scramble. But, um, you know, given game situation, um, defensively, how they're playing you, could be a smart idea to, you know, get a little, uh, you know, QB QB rollout. Yeah, I think being able to utilize his athleticism. Like you said, he, he is a guy that wants to stay in the pocket and throw the ball. But utilizing that athleticism, even if it's just moving the pocket and getting him outside so that he is that threat that defenses have to respect to open other things up. So I think that's something that – I mean, he's a prototypical quarterback of what you want to see, right? A guy that is – a, a quarterback passer, a pocket passer that wants to make plays with his arm, but then has the athleticism to make plays with his feet when you need to. That's what you want to see. All right, let's get to some of these uh, offensive weapons. Uh, let's start off at the tailback position. We mentioned a couple of these guys. Alton McCaskill, the transfer from Houston. Uh, Dylan Edwards, who is a highly, highly recruited and highly touted uh, recruit. Who what, what wasn't he going to go to Michigan? I believe. I believe at one point he was committed. I know he was from Kansas. I think he won football player of the year in Kansas. But okay. I don't know if yeah, big, big recruit, and he decided to go to the Buffs. So he's young, uh, but he's going to play a lot, I believe. Cavosier uh, Smoke, who is the transfer from uh, Kentucky, yeah. and then Great name. the other two <laughs> names on here at the end of the chart are Anthony Hankerson. Sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, he was a transfer from Jackson, no, I thought. No, no, no. no, no. He, he was, was here. He was with the Buffs last oh, he year. Was? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Anthony Agassi was here. 
And then uh, Charlie, it's hard to keep track, right? Yeah. And then Charlie Offerdahl, obviously, he was here as well. Yep. And, and Charlie's getting a lot of run in these. Yeah, videos. It'll, it'll be interesting. I think he's sort of your your uh, camp darling. I, I don't know that he's going to see a ton of time on on offense. Maybe special teams will get some opportunities there. But I, I I think the running back position for me is most intriguing offensively to see who's going to be what. I, as I look across the receiver position, tight end, really O line, you kind of know who all the starters are. I mean, they are four deep. Even throw Offerdahl all in there, five deep at running back, right. and I have no idea what that rotation looks like. I, I, you know, Dylan Edwards, a true freshman, is he a guy? Maybe they limit his touches, try to redshirt him. I mean, he's such a talent. Do you need to get him on the field? But when you have the depth that you do, it'll be really interesting to see if you're getting a mix of all the guys or if one guy does lock down that starting position. Okay, these receivers. This is where it's going to be fun because. On the outside, you got Jimmy Horn, the transfer from USF. You got Xavier Weaver, the transfer from USF. Now, if that sounded familiar, no, you didn't just hit repeat or you didn't just go back, which my Audible does that a lot. It'll skip back. But <laughs> two, two transfers from USF. South Florida's number one, number two receiver last year coming to the buffs. Now, here's the thing. Jimmy Horn right now is getting a lot of love nationally. He's getting a lot of run. People are saying Jimmy may be the best receiver on this team, at least moving forward, projecting that. But I went back and looked last year at the stats, and uh, Xavier Weaver was number one target by far. He had 53 catches for 718 yards and six touchdowns. Jimmy had 37 catches, 551, and three touchdowns. Now, there were some, you know, obviously not everything is equal. I'm not exactly sure, you know, the circumstances before that. I just had the stats from last year. But I, I do think that maybe Jimmy Horn has emerged as that guy. But it, it's, I think, a positive, right? Because we know what Jimmy can do. He's fast. I mean, you talk about yards after catch. That's why I'd be willing to, to say, maybe if you guys want to make a little fun side bet here, that actually Jimmy Horn's going to be number one on the team in, in uh, reception yards. I think he finishes number one this year. That's kind of what I've been thinking. Jimmy Horn, I could see that. I, I could actually see him, too, being a guy that gets a lot of receptions, utilizing him as kind of the quick threat, get the ball in his hands, right. and and let him make plays with it, uh, with the, the, the impact speed that he has there. So I, I don't think that's that bold of a statement to okay. say that. Okay. Well, I have to see if I can make a bet with you guys. Maybe we'll do a little <laughs> fun lunch bet. Uh, but Jimmy's going to be fun to watch. And then I mentioned Xavier Weaver. So they're both listed on, on in, in contrast, as uh, Xavier Weaver is listed at six foot one, 180 pounds on CU's roster. So a little bit of a bigger guy, kind of more your traditional sort of, you know, number one receiver where you got to, which, which is a nice balance to have, right? Have some guys with some size, some physicality, and then also have that speed. Travis Hunter, obviously uh, the Jackson state transfer, who's going to start both ways uh, is listed here as well as a starter on Phil Steele's uh, depth chart. Uh, Khalid Mathis is, I think, someone who maybe could be that guy we talked about who kind of pops and, and hasn't gotten too much press, at least from what we've been hearing here. But what do you think about Mathis? Younger, uh, fast, kind of that. You know, it, when Jimmy Horn is is uh, resting up, I think Mathis is going to get those receptions. And yeah, for it, sure. I'm being honest. I had to scroll through the roster to say, okay, who who the heck is is Caleb Mathis? He is a true freshman uh, coming out of Texas, Arlington, Texas. So uh, another guy, yeah, a burner, five nine, one sixty five. Uh, so. I think that's a you know sort of a, a positional fit, right? With with him, like you said, filling in as maybe Jimmy Hordes coming off the field. All right, let's move on. Uh, well, so a lot of these receive or uh, tight ends. I would say the one position group where you see most of the guys back would be tight end. You know, a lot of these uh, names are familiar. 
uh, Louis Passarello, uh, Caleb Foria, Eric Olson. So definitely some familiar faces there. But I think that there was some talent there. Just be- I'm going to repeat this. Just because the Buffs last year won one game doesn't mean there was zero talent on the roster. Uh, a lot of these guys were here the year before when they won four games. Maybe probably should have won more. So I think that's fine. You know, tight end. Look for can they rely on these tight ends in certain situations? I think so. so and I know they really like Passarello because of his kind of dual ability to both be a very good blocker, Correct. but also he's a good receiver. And and like you guys mentioned earlier, you maybe utilizing him as that kind of H back where he's lining up in the backfield uh, in some opportunities as well. So, and real quick uh, with tight end, uh, look out for Michael Harrison. He's on the depth chart actually as a receiver. Okay. Um, ben, but, uh, He's a big body guy, um, and they've been using him a lot in uh, tight end sets. Um, he is six uh, three, two oh five, so a little bit. He would be more of the receiving type tight end, but they've been using him at that position a little bit too. Okay, uh, let's move on to line here before we wrap up with offense. Uh, maybe we each pick one guy to talk about here on the, on the line because I'm, I'm I'm taking Tyler Brown. This dude is a beast. Now he's six three, three twenty, but on these YouTube videos, like he shows up as just a a little, I mean, this this guy's a tank. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, he was third team FCS All American last year at Jackson State. So he came with Dion, part of that Louie, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Tyler Brown. He's number oh, you know, I don't have it listed on here. So either way, Tyler Brown. All right, I'm gonna go with the uh, the guy that is one of the holdovers, and I, I don't actually know how to pronounce his name. So if I botch it, somebody help me. Jared, is it Gerard or is it Jared? Is it Gerard or Jared? L- Christian Lichtenhan. Oh boy, Lichtenhan. The, he needs to come up with a nickname. Somebody needs to give that boy a nickname. Okay, <laughs> uh, but he uh, is has been locking down that offensive tackle spot, which is encouraging to see. He is listed on their roster 6'10". from the CU website. 6'10", 315. That is one big man. boy. Okay. <laughs> he is humongous. Uh, but again, from uh, one of the few carryovers from this roster that looks like they're going to make a big impact on this team, uh, it's, it's awesome to see that he's anchoring down that spot, hasn't moved. I think that's kind of what you want to really, really have in place uh, when you are kind of really trying to flip over a roster the way that you are is that lockdown I, left tackle. I got some pronunciation here. Jared... Lichtenhan. See, it's funny because my name's Jared, spelled weird. People always mispronounce it, and here I am doing the same thing to this guy. <laughs> but poor, poor Jared. And then Christian, obviously. Yeah, Lichtenhan. Christian Lichtenhan. Lichtenhan. Okay. Yeah. It's easy right. enough. It's actually not that bad. Big boy. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, other uh, other <laughs> the, bookend, the right the right tackle, Savion Washington, uh, grad transfer for Kent State. I'm coming over with uh, Coach Lewis. The and, Buffet uh, Buster. The Buffet Buster. 6'8", <laughs> 320. Uh, I'm sure he'll play it a lot bigger than that. Um, but got got a couple uh, on paper. Got a couple of good-looking tackles. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see uh, what we can put together. See, that's my thing. Huge, is on- huge hole in our team last year. Yeah. On paper, a lot of these guys are awesome. A lot of these guys sure. are going to fill in. And, and I, love, uh, I love the saying, you don't win games on paper. But it doesn't hurt. Exactly. It. <laughs> it certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, before we get out of here, let's talk special teams. Is it going to be Alejandro Mata, who was the uh, kicker last year at Jackson State, or is it going to be Jace Feely? I saw Jace Feely hitting, I think it was 65 yards. Did you see that? Was it 65? It was a long way, so let me tell you that. And he was hitting him with these, and it was – so I'm going, wait a minute here. 
we've got a real battle at the kicker position and how awesome is it that we can get into a legitimate conversation about this. But Alejandro Mata last year, like he was 50 of 51 extra points, 12 of 13 field goals, really reliable. And that's what Coach Prime's going to want from the kicker. Right. Who can he put out, the, out there and feel like, okay, you know what? We're going to get these three points, get off the field. And and, keep and as a fan, that's what I want to see. I, I, I trust in my coaching staff to not send a kicker out there that can't hit the long kick. You know, if your guy doesn't have over 45 or over 40, whatever that is. But a guy that gets inside of 40 and is nails, that's what yeah. you need. you got to have a guy that has that confidence, that can hit that big kick in that big moment. So... I, you know, I, I, I'm going to lean for the guy that seems like he is the more accurate and has a little bit more experience in that in Alejandro Mata. I'll go with Mata as well. Um, I don't know if you remember from the spring game, guys, but uh, field goal kicking was not good. No, um, at not. all. And so, we did have some weather conditions, we if we did, all remember. We did. Um, but also something to keep on your radar is Jace Feely actually had a uh, some sort of heart condition that he had surgery on in the offseason. So don't know how his health is doing. Maybe okay. uh, maybe he's kind of behind the eight ball this season for uh, for the starting job. But uh, I'm going to go Mata. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Good first podcast back. Appreciate everyone listening. Remember to follow, like, subscribe, whatever the heck you do out there on the device you're listening on there but uh, it's gonna be a fun season next week we're gonna make our picks all of our predictions team leaders for stuff so that's next week and then the week after that is gonna be a preview for tcu we coming baby exactly we'll talk to you next week right here on the boss nation podcast